give me a moment's peace and take out the trash. We pay taxes for people to come and take the garbage. Hey, listen, Greeny, no more sneaking rides to the junkyard. Yeah, man, take a taxi when you want to go to the junkyard. Hello and welcome to Hot Trash Unlimited, the show where me, Joe, and me, Caleb, scour the internet and cinema history for movies that could be declared as hot trash. Caleb, what did we watch this week? We watched, I'd say, probably the most infamous anime American adaptation. I don't think the most infamous. We'll see. 2008's Speed Racer. Racing's everything. For my family, it isn't just a sport. It's way more important than that. It's like a religion. Are you ready to become a real race car driver? Then sign that contract. He's just trying to scare you, son. What you do behind the wheel of a race car has nothing to do with business. You walk away from me, you walk away from this deal, no matter how well you drive, you won't win, you won't place. I guarantee you right now, you won't even finish the race. You think you can drive a car and change the world? It doesn't work like that. Maybe not. But it's the only thing I know how to do when I gotta do something. Go, go, go. Each of us are revisiting this film. My second time watching it. My third. Third. Okay, I watched it once in college. Okay, so much more recently than I have either time. Film majors really love this movie. Let me see. Really? Not all of them, but enough of them. And that's usually how you can find the fun ones. The ones who have more than just like the film bro opinions are the ones mm-hmm. who like this movie. Yeah. That being said, I'm not one of those <laughs> people. When I saw it. Throwing your cards out on the table right now. Well, at least when I saw it back then, I got a migraine from watching this movie. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. I saw I saw this movie shortly after it came out, probably right after because we would always get DVDs from the library. Yeah. And this was one of them. I watched it twice that week. I have not seen it since. We were going to see this two years ago, (sighs) right before COVID. It was one of the first things that we had planned that got canceled. What a loss. The bell court was going to show it at midnight. Yeah, it was one of their midnight movies. And I really hope that whatever madman on staff there picked it is still working because I want to see that movie on a big screen now. (laughs) And it sure ain't ever going to get released by Fathom Events or anything. Oh, no. Maybe they'll have a live action anime thing after Ghibli Fest. Disappointment Fest. <laughs> okay, which movie do you think is more infamous than this? Dragon Ball Evolution. See, by I don't. Far. I don't think as many people realize that movie exists. I think within. I don't know, man. <laughs> I feel like Speed Racer left an impression on pop culture in a way that that movie just really flew under the radar. I think Speed Racer also has going forward or going against it. You decide that it was two very big directors at the time who. Oh, yeah. Just could not get a hit anymore. Well, I mean, arguably, they have never had a hit since The Matrix. And I feel like fairly people are going back and reevaluating The Matrix sequels. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are movies like Cloud Atlas that people are very torn on. But I think this one especially shows that they kind of had lost their spot in the blockbuster market, which is a shame because they bring something unique every time. There is energy and direction to this movie. Joe, you are the expert on anime. Yeah. Tell the listeners what the original Speed Racer is. Oh, good old, good old. I got to make sure I get it right. Good old Mock Go Go Go. Yeah. Was a 1967 anime that somehow made its way over to America at the same time. Was insanely popular. Caleb, in the four years that this got broadcast, it had 40 million viewers. 
That's a lot. That's a lot. Was this before or after Astro Boy? See, I don't know which made it to its way to the States first. Because those two are like, as far as I understand, like the first two shows to come over. And then Akira kind of broke in the film market. That was in like the 90s. Though. That was yeah, much, yeah. much later. Uh, this would have been after Astro Boy. Astro Boy was 1963. Okay. And probably around the time that anime as a medium was really kind of forming. Yeah, th- this was like the beginnings of it. It's weird. It's a children's show. But people die constantly. I vividly remember there's one episode where they're in a submarine for some reason. The bad guy has a helmet on. He looks like a he looks like a Saturday morning cartoon villain. He's wearing a suit that has just like six bullet holes, not hole. They shoot bullets and he kills his daughter accidentally with them where he waves his cape and bullets come out. He's like, no, Speed, you did this to me. So I watch Speed Racer currently. Yes. In the here and now. I still don't understand what the show is about. There's cars. Yeah. And there are spies at the same same time that is about as broad of a review as, a, as i can give it on all honesty the reason i like the anime it's purely aesthetic reasons it has really fun designs the music's great the voice acting is pretty terrible it's terrible but like in a really energetic way this is where the old stereotype of like the like the crazy reactions in anime come from because they'll just be a reaction face oh that's also like not dubbed properly too yeah and there's such simplicity to the animation too which you would not get from this movie Mm-mm. but it kind of reminds me of like steve dicko's art yeah it, like in some ways it's kind of stiff but it's still very kinetic yeah and it's just i don't know it has this retro fun thing that being said no, I, the movie does not have any of those traits well and i do not watch the show for the plot or the characters or anything like that i can take months off of watching the show and then just come back to it because yeah, it's, it's purely, super episodic. Yeah, and it's just purely an aesthetic experience, which you cannot capture in a live action thing. Uh, you can capture aesthetic. Well, yes, they capture an aesthetic. It's not that kind of retro <laughs> 60s aesthetic. I don't know what aesthetic they're going for. Assault <laughs> of the ocular variety. Well, so for those of you who haven't seen the movie, the movie is about God bless you. There's a family called the Racer family, and their son Speed is kind of the next up and coming racer in this worldwide phenomena that is racing. Their older son, Rex, kind of left the family business and then died. It's pretty obvious that he's a mysterious racer called Racer X. That's a Batman 66. Racer X. Racer X. Oh, my God. But then, of course, there's Pops played by John Goodman, who is uh, the mechanic of the family. Susan Sarandon plays the mom. Who is Whose the name mom. is mom. Yeah. Speed's uh, girlfriend, played by Christina Ricci, is uh, named Trixie. And he has a little brother named Spritel and his pet monkey his chimp, pet chimp. chimpanzee chimp chimp and they kind of serve as the chaos engines but it becomes a thing where he gets involved in racing finds out that's all kind of like corporate greed run fix that sort of thing and so he sets out with the help of racer x to kind of try to solve all this however this is like a robbie rod movie on steroids we made the joke like at the very beginning where it was like oh, robbie rod could never and then we're like hey, robbie rod could with a budget of $10 nonetheless. Okay. <laughs> and it would look exactly the same. All respect to Mr. Robert Rodriguez. It would not look this good. I don't know, man. He did Alita. He knows how to he knows how to make movies when he wants to. He does. There's a scene in the French Dispatch where these art dealers are talking about this like modern artist who has this abstract style. And one of them points to a painting he does of a of a sparrow that's very accurate. And he goes, He could draw this, but he doesn't. That's how we know he's good. That's kind of the thing with both the Robbie Rod and the Wachowskis. They can make their stuff look good 
and they they're choosing not, not to. Because right after this, they made Jupiter Ascending. Not too long after, which not a good movie, but it looks good. I mean, Cloud Atlas, the sci-fi parts of that look good. It's just they decided this one. They're going to try to capture what you can do on animation. They're capturing an anime aesthetic, but not a specific one. They're just kind of boiling a lot of them together. So everything's and on pouring green. it over your eyes as it burns into your retinas. Everything's on green screen. Everything's oversaturated. Everything's transitions. It's insane. And it never stops. It never slows down. No, it is overwhelming to the very last shot. There are the sweeping transitions of heads slowly spinning while the backgrounds change right behind them because they're not actually in front of anything. This was in the Rachowski's garage instead of Robbie Rod's. And sometimes that stuff can look really good. And then other times it looks like it's out of Spy Kids or Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home. They're very 50-50 hit, like hit and miss where it's like half the time it is it's a salt of the ocular variety. And then the other half you're like, oh, wait, there's a style here. And they're like nailing it. Yeah. Those moments are fewer and farther between as the movie continues. I feel like obviously the Wachowskis are bringing the vision here. They are bringing the idea oh, yeah. that they're not doing a straight adaptation of this. They want to catch a kinetic style which I think sometimes really works in the racing and sometimes adds a lot of fun to the dialogue scenes. And they know how to slow things down too. They do have a lot of more slow standard conversations. This movie takes a while to get going due to starting with these slow conversations before yeah. the, the ball gets turned. Well, and a million flashbacks at the beginning. Yeah. Which definitely drags things down. But there is a, another creative influence here who I was just going through the, yeah, the crew this, list on IMDb. This is a surprise for me. Yeah, well, and you won't recognize his name. His name is da David Tattersall. Very prolific cinematographer. He He's doing the memory Liam Neeson movie that's out in oh, theaters okay. right now. He worked on all the Star Wars prequels. Oh. So he's coming right off of that. But the reason I'm bringing him up is because he was the cinematographer on Death Note. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> And one of the things we pointed out there was there was a style. Yeah. I don't think we necessarily liked it in Death Note. No. <laughs> he but, returns. But we get to see him work with two very visionary, in one case, one director, in the other case, a pair of directors. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't even know how cinematography is done in this because it's so it's all digital. No but, one knew how this was going to turn but, out. So were the prequels. Yeah. Right? Like he very much was the right person for this job. And I feel like there is a visual readability to this that the the pure amount of stuff going on and the colors can become overwhelming, but the camera and the sequence of shots is readable. Save for a few moments where it'll be more of a wide shot of all the cars racing. Yeah, it's pretty easy to follow. Mm -hmm. You you always know where speed is. You always know where racer X is. When Trixie joins for the unexplicable reason, it's very easy to tell who you're looking out for. Yeah, he can he can follow. He can make it readable. We're beating around the bush. This movie hurts to look at. This movie is an eyesore at every moment. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say at every moment. I think there are moments when it works. I think yeah, when it's in like darkness and you aren't there isn't like no. neon. So the couple places that stick out to me, I feel like when he's having his conversation with the villain, kind of the head of this multi-conglomerate, and the villain gives his villain speech and it's, you know, it's doing the green screen scrolling, here's my PowerPoint presentation while my head just rotates around it, right? I feel like that actually works to emphasize what's going on. That it's undercut by jumping to uh, Sprite 
idol doing random things. I'm usually a fan attacking of the segways. It works there. Uh, there is a action scene in the middle, which is super fun. Oh, that one's great. And uses geography. It's able to use geography in a way that you couldn't with a real camera because mm-hmm. it's all this green screen stuff. Those two parts especially are really good. Yeah. But yes, a lot of the other times it is very garish. Yeah. And it's like 90% of the time. And too inconsistent to be good. That's kind of the thing with this movie is like inconsistency where, all right, we're going to have a lot of establishing of Rex. No one else gets anything. Spridal. Yep. He has a, he has a chimp chimp. Trixie. No character. Just his girlfriend. It's weird. They spend... 20 minutes setting up the relationship between Rex and Speed and no one else. No one else gets anything. I mean, you get some inadvertent backstory with Pops, how he was a wrestling champion. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I feel like if it had gone either way, because there are just shots that look straight out of a Spy Kids movie, very digital, very Mm -hmm. obvious. And then there are shots that I think also very obvious that they're fake, but they interact with the world a little bit better. It could have gone either way. And if it had been a little bit more consistent, I think it would be a little bit easier to swallow this movie. But the way it is, I definitely get why people were thrown up in the theaters and stuff. However... And maybe this is just a fault of someone who has seen way too many movies. I want to see stuff different, even if it doesn't work. And yeah, this is no, different. <laughs> there is a valid attempt here at bringing Speed Racer to the big screen. And I don't care who you are. If you have watched Speed Racer, you cannot look me dead in the face and tell me that this is not the cartoon just real. It is 100% a capture of the energy of the spirit. Maybe it's a little more serious than the show, but this is a one-to-one adaption. I think it's what a kid imagines the show to be because the show is like the backgrounds are so simple and it is like three frames per second. Like it is a cheaply animated show. I think this movie is doing a lot more than it ever could. Oh yeah. But in the way that like a kid fills in the gaps when they're watching animation, this is like a kid thinking back to growing up watching this. Yeah. From everything from speed, having no character whatsoever to Spridal to having more screen time than anyone else <laughs> and Chim Chim. It's one to one. Well, in Rex played by Matthew Fox, height of his career, height of his career. Right in the middle of Lost. (laughs) He reminds me of Adam West. You brought this up kind of uh, offhandedly, but he does remind me of how Adam West treated Batman. Everything serious was treated flippantly and everything flippant was treated seriously. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me a lot of the voice actor on the show for Rex. I feel like it fits the energy really well. Everything fits perfectly. Spridal being stupid. This this kid's playing Spridal. I'm so, I love He's amazing. He's great. He is so funny. He's hilarious. He's perfect for this stupid kid. Everyone else is like playing this so straight. And like, I applaud you for trying. Oh, I'm so glad John Goodman's playing it straight. Like, we wouldn't get the classic line. Oh my God, was that a ninja? More like a ninja. Terrible what passes for a ninja these days. I'm just wondering. I I asked Caleb a midway through. I'm like, was there a point when they were filming this for like, oh no, what have I done? And you were just like, no, they had no idea what was what was going to happen. No, because they're they're against green screens for half of it. Like half all of it, it, all of it is them sitting in like blue screen cars, just like now scream, and it's like they screamed. The people who are just more in like the uh, the dialogue scenes, like pops. I feel like John Goodman understands what he's in, and he's going for it. These are career actors, man. Like most yeah. of these actors in here are characters character actors susan sarandon and john goodman are memorable names but it's not because they have like three or four big roles it's no, because they're prolific been, actors yeah they've been in a billion things yeah this is just their job and they're good at it yeah. like and I, I think emile hirsch and Chris, Kristen ritter are doing a good job here that's not Kristen ritter sorry christina ricci 
very different people. <laughs> I feel like they're doing a good job here, even though they have zero character. Perfect adaption of the show. It's not like they do in the show anyways. The Wachowskis knew what they were doing, man. Oh, yeah, they definitely did. They were definitely fans of the show. But you know where I do think this movie succeeds, where it does add more depth from the show, is the theming. This is a very anti-capitalist movie. <laughs> But it's a it's a movie with a lot of nuance too. What's basically saying is that yes, this form of entertainment in the world is corporate controlled and compromised and very fake. But that doesn't mean that your reactions to it are. Because that's what Speed thinks when he realizes that everything's fixed. But then he has a conversation with Pops a little bit later and Pops is like, no, it's not fixed. You get the idea there that it doesn't matter if they fixed it or not, to Pops and Speed, it was real. And in the same way, commercial movies like the MCU or stuff or you know, whatever was coming out at the time, super like corporate audience tested to hell. Yeah. But if you still connect to it, if you still have that emotional connection, that's still real. God bless you for finding a deeper meaning in Speed Racer. I think it's honestly all at the surface. Like... <laughs> It's, I think it's pretty obvious here. I mean, it is It is very surface level, but also this movie's just so garish and so long but and it's, so boring at parts that it's like it's, the surface level stuff is on the windshield wipers. It's getting constantly like just like wiped off while you're like, ah, yep, we're, we're driving through this. But it's so heartfelt, like especially that scene between uh, between pops and speed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can totally buy this. Too bad I'm bored by the rest of the movie. I think we're having opposite reactions here where you probably like all the racing and stuff more than you like the dialogue stuff. I kind of like the dialogue stuff is mostly what's working for me here. The racing stuff is interesting from an academic level, but that is still the stuff that hurts to watch. It, it does hurt, but there's there's fun stuff. I, I love every time the Mach 5 does a pogo stick flip. Boing, boings through the air. When he finally gets the buttons installed and he's got the buzz saws coming out. It's mm -hmm. great. I mean, there are definitely some fun gimmicks there. I like how the different racing teams are themed. There's one that's just Vikings and they get bought off by having a chest of furs brought to them. One of the cars can shoot snakes into the cockpit of the other cars. Like, that's all fun. One throws a honeycomb hive. Yeah, yeah. The bees. That's all fun. But like, you look at Death Note last week. Mm -hmm. Everyone there knew to play it silly. Mm -hmm. But I feel like they weren't playing it silly out of a respect for the anime, which it didn't need to do. That's not the problem with the movie. The silly parts of that are the best part of the movie. Here, they know how to play it silly because it is a kid's cartoon, but it's clear they do have a respect for Speed Racer. Yeah, they do. It still doesn't work. No, <laughs> it does not. Or at least not for us. I, like I said, I know a lot of people who love it, but. Oh, I like this movie. This movie's hilarious. Like I said, it's the perfect adaption of the TV show. I'm so sad we didn't get to watch it at midnight at the Belcourt. One of these days. Just need to start sending emails. One of these days we'll get to see that and we'll get to see Batman 66. 66. That's oh. another thing that the style of this reminds me of. Batman 66, the, uh, the showrunner, wanted to make it look as much like a comic book as possible. That's why the the sound effects are on the screen. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the same thing that the Wachowskis are doing here. Just they now have a lot more at a their disposal. more money. Not just money, but technology. Yeah. Maybe limitations are a good thing. <laughs> What's the best scene in this movie? I do really like the villain monologue, but also before that, Speed's monologue about what racing means 
to him and his family, and then to have those juxtaposed. And I like how the visuals are used there. I'm going to go with the family fight in the in the snow. The that family, one. that's so it's good. So good. <laughs> yeah. And everyone gets something to do. There's a lot of good like slapstick comedy there. And it just ends with like this Mexican standoff. And like, why are there so many guns in a speed racer thing? There's guns in all speed racers. That's how I knew you hadn't watched a lot of speed racer. There's so much guns in speed racer. Yeah, like I know, they, but they it doesn't make sense. Constantly. The gun thing is a problem with the, not problem. It's a fun thing about the cartoon too. Yeah. But the thing that I do have more of a problem with here is they do say ass a lot for a kid's movie. Yeah, there's that one point where the villain just like swears like back to back. I'm like, I thought this movie was PG. Yeah, and like, I'm fine with a certain amount of that. Richard Roundtree says shit at one point. It's bleeped out, and that's maybe the funniest thing in the movie. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> so like, I'm fine with it well, yeah, to a certain it's, extent. It's, it's but... a... It's not like they're going for a deconstruction because they still have Spinal popping up and cock blocking Speed and Trixie whenever he can, even do, at the very end. It just comes off to me as like, I don't think Speed would say ass. Yeah, he's, he's a goody two shoes. Yeah, yeah. So it just feels kind of weird at points. Incongruous, mm. if you would. So, Caleb, does this movie fall into the hot trash pile? Well, you know, we touched on it, but uh, this is a very long movie. Yeah. <laughs> two hours and 15 minutes it's way too long <laughs> yeah i like those quiet scenes between like speed and his parents but you could probably could cut a couple and if you had maybe but also the good parts of this movie are really good i'm not sure i know you're gonna say yes and no so, i'm not oh it's man. diamond in the rough it's good <laughs> okay yeah this yeah. is like this is this is not a great movie by any means but this is a fun movie and not even in a so bad it's good way. There's just good stuff in this movie. Yeah. You know, the question is, does the good outweigh the bad? And for me, even though this movie was very long and had like some boring stretches and stuff, I was still invested enough to get to the next part. So, yeah, I'll say it's good. Yeah. The Nanja fight, though, <laughs> that's hot trash. <laughs> I'm so glad we got to rewatch this movie. I mean, it's definitely one of the most fun things. And just after such a desaturated movie like Death Note, just seeing the colors in this. Oh, don't worry. We're going right back into desaturation land <laughs> right after this. You wanted style? You want direction? We ain't getting any of that, buddy. Yeah, this is this is the only one I have not seen the anime. I have not seen the movie. I haven't seen the movie. What are we watching, Joe? Dragon Ball Evolution. God save us all. Guys, if you want to listen to us suffer through Dragon Ball Evolution, you definitely can by subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you like our podcast and you think other people would like it too, you can, of course, rate us five stars. That gets us up in the charts for other people to see. And if you just want to tell a friend, you can do that as well. Send feedback to us at hottrashunlimited at gmail.com. Joe, anything else? Never. I have to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I'll respond every time with the same answer. 